Corny Unicorn. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, girl. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And bonjour, mes amis. Welcome to Talking Terror. I'm your old pal, the King Har Andy G, welcoming you to this new episode of the show. We're going to be discussing the Demonic Dean's film pick of the week, The Night Eats the World from 2018 and directed by Dominique Rocher. But first, as always, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Golgi Keith. Hello, 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 everybody. How is it going tonight? I hope that you're doing well in maintaining in this uh, ever-changing world of the COVID-19 virus. We're also joined by the psychotic simian, the man monkey himself, the Prince Moore's Day. Man monkey, get funky. <laughs> yes, right, fans. This talking terror is Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic. Hi, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> we bring you the best goddamn horror podcast in the land. That's right, talking terror. So... Listen here, listen often, this is where you need to be. All right, bitches, <laughs> let's get this shit going. Oh, excuse me, again. Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> gotta keep Bang. it going, gotta keep it rolling. And we are returning. Uh, Demonic Dean is back. He is ready to go. Demonic Dean, welcome back to the show after a short hiatus. We love you, Dean. Dean. We love you. Are you hearing me? Yeah, so glad to hear yes, you. Yes, can you hear me? Welcome to okay, the show. Good. I was, I was so a nice bit to have a... you back. <laughs> Thank you. I was having, I apologize. I was having a little bit of a tech issue uh, getting signed in here, but I'm here and I'm ready. Me too. No worries. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> we so, got this Okay, so then what I'm going to say right now is, because I know I didn't oh, have boy. an issue, Monkey didn't have an issue, but it seems like the King and the Dean both had issues. I'm going to apologize now if we're having any kind of audio problems for you listening at home, everybody. We are sorry. <laughs> it's not our fault. I repeat, it is not our fault. We have paid our bill. Thank you. <laughs> we have. We're keeping the lights on. <laughs> I don't think the bill has anything to do with it. I think that's a, I don't know. I knew exactly what my problem was. I tried to fix it. Yeah, I, I still don't know what mine was, but anyway, regardless of errors that might happen along the way, how have you been, Dean, since we last spoke? It's been a while. I figured you were out in Norway or Germany or one of the other countries that we're pretty big in right now. Got I mean, I've pretty, much, I've pretty much been, you know, sitting in my house and staring at the wall like the rest of you guys. Yeah, it's fun. Not me. Uh, I've been going out to work every day. Sorry. <laughs> I haven't had any time off. I am essential. <laughs> Do you, did you get the corona? <laughs> what? What was that? Well, Dean, what were you like, saying? Like I said, it sounds like our monkey has the the, the corona, and usually that six corona monkeys. So, <laughs> ouch! That's no, I'm fine. <laughs> we're just doing what we got to do because we got to we got to keep getting the sanitizer out there. We got to keep getting rubber gloves out there. 
Yes, cool. Rubber gloves. <laughs> we got to keep getting those masks out there to the people of the world. So, you know, so that's, that's why we're needed at my job. <laughs> got it. Ooh, so, put your tongue in it. Um, <laughs> prepare the long rubber glove. Um, has, has anybody had any, any Finger troubles uh, in, <laughs> in going out and getting supplies, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, no, I've been no, okay. Cool, dude. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, d- uh, surprisingly, toilet paper you still can't fucking find. Um, for, fortunately, the king has a Bible, so he's he's fine for toilet paper. <laughs> but, oh, that's great. And, 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 I, and I've got a chihuahua, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> it's comfortable okay. paper, that first testament. Goes down easy. Oh. Doesn't clog the toilet. You know, it feels good. Well, I'm happy to report here that, uh, that, that no, we have uh, had absolutely no problems with our supplies. Everything seems fairly uh, organized and, and decently stocked. Yeah, but also, you know, I try to keep my eyes open, look for shit that somebody else might have hid behind something else or put somewhere. And uh, we were stocked up before this whole thing happened. So we're, we're still sitting pretty. Sweet. How about sitting you, pretty, huh? Dean? Yeah, how's California, right. man? California, um, you know, we're good. Uh, we're, you know, we're stocked up here in the house. Uh, you know, from what I understand, uh, finding certain items in the stores is, is hit or miss. Um, anytime that I've ventured Some out miss, in huh? like a, in like a supply <sighs> gathering uh, mission, I've, I've been lucky to find what I've needed. So uh, we're, we're doing okay. Scavenging. See, all those Walking Dead episodes helped you out, man. Well done, sir. Yeah, I mean, I really, I learned, uh, yeah, I learned how to drive to the supermarket and walk in the door. Holy cow. Incredible. Yeah, I guess. Uh Uh-huh. Stock up on Twinkies, because that's what you're supposed to do during a zombie apocalypse. (laughs) Twinkies. This episode not brought to you by Twinkies. No, (laughs) not at all. I know they had a whole big thing where the company was going out of business, but then they got saved and then they got made again. Does anybody here actually like Twinkies? I do. I do. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to say. I have to be honest. It's it, it easily could be. I'm I'm 43 now. It could be. It could be 30 years since I've had a Twinkie, honestly. So I really can't say whether what? or not I like a Twinkie or not. I I don't eat that stuff. I feel, I mean, when I was a little kid, yeah, I had Twinkies and Hostess cupcakes and Ding Dongs and Swiss Rolls and all that shit, but like, I I just, I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember. (laughs) I I couldn't tell you. I don't know how I would feel if if someone presented me with a Twinkie and I was like, all right, I'm going to eat this yellow cream filled sponge cake right now. I don't know how I would feel. So I don't know if I would like it. I I really, I have no frame of reference. Oh man, now you totally have to. Now you totally have to go to the store, get some Twinkies, and then get the orange Hostess cupcakes, the ones that when you actually take them out of their little holders, they're, like, just dripping with grease and shit like that. You need to get that just to, like, give your heart a quick shock, you know, yeah, just because we no know, way that know how happen. to cook. There's no way that Yeah, I mean, I, you can't do that anyway because now the anticipation is too high, so his expectations are going to be through the roof. So now he's going to have oh, to yeah. wait probably, like, another – I don't know. I would say maybe 30. 15, 20, 30 years maybe. And, uh, and then we could try again at that point, okay? So, yeah, I, I'm with you on that, man. You know, I haven't had a Twinkie probably 
I don't know, man. Maybe I'd say it's less than 30 years. I'd say it's probably within the last decade. Might have been a time where it was like when they were talking about all that bullshit that they were going to go away forever. I might have bought a pack and, like, had them. But, like, I have absolutely no memory of them, and I obviously didn't like them enough to want to get more. Oh, the smaller now. Wow. It's not worth it. No, you're just I don't know, King. <laughs> they used to be bigger, damn it. I know that they used to be. I'm not the only one. Check the internet. <laughs> okay. <Are> you sure? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, that's probably like Andre the Giant, you know? When he was a little kid, beer cans were like normal size. And by the time he was a grown-up, he was probably like, I used to think they were bigger. <laughs> yeah, so he sure maybe <laughs> your hand just had a, a little larger king. And do you say the same thing about your dick? Like, hey, I remember it used to be bigger. No, I don't know. Well, that's about the, the same size. And that, when that, I was like five. that's the thing about drinking with that's what that's what it's like drinking with the king. I'm I'm sitting there drinking my twelve ounces. He he he's drinking a twenty four ounce and they look hand hand to can ratio, they look about the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll drink yeah, a twelve ounce with a monkey thing. and it looks like I'm drinking a little thimble. Pinky's out. <laughs> so ladies, if you like fisting, the king is your man. Yeah, I do have big hands. Yeah. Fucking big split you like a Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> yeah, wear a fourteen wide. I gotta give a big all over. Do you want your next boyfriend to be able to play mini golf with your asshole? Call the king. (laughs) (laughs) I I I offer all kinds of services. It's not pretty. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. But it gets the job done. (laughs) All right. So real quick, I'm going to jump into some horror news because I've got good. All right. I got Love Island (laughs) news here. Yeah, I know. We got to get the Love Island up to your news, monkey. Oh. oh well then. Oh well then. Go I'm ahead, cool. You, I, you, you, I, I did. Go ahead. I did. Thank you. I'm good. Okay. I've been. Yeah. You know what? Today I took a bit of a break from Love Island. You know, we watched a couple of episodes <laughs> early and decided to take a break for the rest of the day. It was, you know, I think I went through like Love Island withdrawals. I sat there and I went to my PlayStation and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to play a game." And then I spent what might have been like two hours just kind of flipping through menus on the PlayStation Network in their store, saying, "Hmm, you know." I know I own all these games that I really want to play, which is why I own them, yet I'm not going to play any of those, but I'm going to look at this, and ooh, look at that one, and oh, look at that. Then I'd look at my phone for like five minutes, then I'd look back at the menu again, and then, I don't know, all I know is all was said and done, and I was like, okay, you know what, it's time to make dinner. So I, I went to do that. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of PlayStation and X, uh, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, Nintendo Switch, and Google Stadia. All right, for all of those things, all right, on May 26th, you can buy the expansion for Mortal Kombat 11. <laughs> this will be called Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath, and okay. it's going to be a thing of they're bringing in some new or bringing in some original characters or bringing them back, like Fusion, Shiva. Bringing them all um, back. They're also uh, <laughs> okay, so by they're also bringing back. So you mean people from like Mortal Kombat 3? Yeah, uh, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but they're bringing back some, some of the classic stages, like the Deadpool, the Soul Chambers. Um, they're bringing back stage fatalities, but they're also bringing back friendships. 
So they're so they're bringing that back. But then all of this, and then combined of the mystery character who's going to be going in is is part of this is going to be voiced by Peter Weller is going to be RoboCop in a Mortal Kombat huh. game. Wow. Okay. You finally have Terminator versus RoboCop because you have Terminator available <laughs> in that game as of right now. So for all you people out there that had wet dreams in like the early 90s before all the, the terrible sequels started spawning out everywhere for the Terminator movies and you wanted to see Terminator <laughs> versus RoboCop. <laughs> Police. Stop. <laughs> Thank you. I had no idea what the theme song was at all. Uh, I mean, you're doing Terminator still, man. I don't know if RoboCop had one. I don't remember having any music. Yeah, you did. Um, oh, yeah, you were right. You got it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, there we go. So Cool. Sounded like the Terminator music. But either way, anyway, like I was saying, if you want to have that fucking wet dream, that orgy of violence, you can get Mortal Kombat Aftermath and uh, and, and play it at your will. I, I have Mortal Kombat 11, and uh, yes, I will definitely be checking out Aftermath. But didn't they already okay. have the Terminator versus RoboCop video game, like back in the 90s? Uh, they had a RoboCop video game. They had it, it was a cabinet, and then they had the Terminator video game that was also a cabinet. But I don't remember RoboCop versus Terminator. It was a shooter game. I do know. I, I yeah. There had I do know that RoboCop versus Terminator. Well, I do know that Dark Horse Comics did do a RoboCop versus Terminator comic back in the day. Back, back when they had the rights to all that game. shit. Yeah, I have to look that up. Uh, there was a RoboCop versus Terminator video game uh, that uh, was Super released. Nintendo. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, Game Boy, uh, Genesis, Game Gear, Super Nintendo, um, in like the '93, 1994 uh, time frame. But yeah, Super Nintendo, um, Sega Genesis. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Oh, like a platform. Looks like a platformer. A little bit of a shoot 'em up. Uh, yeah, never played it. No, nope. well, yeah, they did have it. So there you go. I will you get the update. I thing. will have to look this up. <laughs> um, the other <laughs> thing I wanted to bring up was this awesome, awesome thing that the king put up on the Talking Terror page, and I just wanted to talk about it because I had so much fun fucking watching this. All right, was a beautiful piece directed by Zoe Bell called the Boss Bitch Fight Challenge. Yeah. Oh, um, did, what, what, what was he? Was he good? Because I know with Zoe Bell, it's probably pretty good. That was my best Zoe Bell impression that I could pull up. <laughs> New Zealand woman, not but, me. You know, that's just that's not for me. It but it's like it's, it's, it's this fun little video that the king put up on the Talking Terror page of um, so many women from Hollywood having um, a long distance fight through their iPhones and it's just all put together and it flows and it's just fun. It's silly. Um, it's yeah, it's just a fun little piece. Uh, King, thanks for finding this thing, man. <laughs> yeah, it's been my favorite thing so far in the quarantine. Video. I've seen a couple of the fight videos, but that one's my favorite. It's so cool. And it really does pull pretty well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you hadn't had a chance to, then go to the Talking Terror page and check it out. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. Great endorsement for the talk therapy. Always love those little plots. I do I work hard on I, 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 I,
don't know, action. Oh, no, that's what it was. I caught it on, like, Facebook or something. It was, like, stuntman. Be like, you know, you saw, like, some random Asian dude throw a punch at the camera, and then you saw another dude fall back. Like, he took the hit, and then he mm-hmm. comes in with the hit, does it to the next guy, and so forth and so forth. Yeah, they did do a stuntman one. Yeah, this one is just uh, Zoe Bell, another stuntman from Hollywood. Fucking amazing. Um, but, yeah, that's a great fun. But, uh, all right, Dean, you're back. Uh, back in the battle again. Jesus Christ. You know what? We're not ready back for news yet. We're not ready for news yet. Okay, because I'm going to bring James something up that you, that you probably have no idea about. But you know what? I know that the, the Dean will. I, you know, and I know he's already watched probably the whole entire series, but I finally watched the first episode of The Last Dance. Um, and as somebody that, uh, for, for those out there that don't know what it is, is it's a, uh, an ESPN documentary chronicling the last uh, Michael Jordan season of the Chicago Bulls, uh, that, that championship run. It is a phenomenal, phenomenally put together documentary. And I could see that just from the first episode alone to talk about being riveted. And I hate fucking documentaries. I cannot sit through the majority of them. And like, I'm already like yearning to get into this to, to the next episode. I've only watched the first three, dude. I'm not. I'm not all the way through it yet, and not all oh, ten okay. are, are out yet. Uh, okay. I think. Oh, okay. uh, I think. I, I didn't know how many were there. Yeah, I think they're. I, they're releasing two episodes each Sunday. I think that the first six are out. Okay. Cool. What are your thoughts so far? But yeah, I've, dude, it's 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 look. Uh, I I by no stretch of the imagination uh, am I the biggest basketball fan in the world, but. Growing up in the tri-state area uh, and being a sports fan uh, in the in the 90s, when you know you didn't have much else in the world to worry about, aside from how your sports teams were doing, uh, the the 90s were a glorious era for local sports. And the Knicks Bulls rivalry that and the Knicks Pacers rivalry and all of the great basketball that was happening in that era, like Michael Jordan loomed and the Bulls loomed over all of that. Uh, and as a huge fan of sports, you cannot. Like, you cannot eat no matter how many daggers Jordan the Bulls drove into the hearts of the Knicks. Like, you just couldn't help but admire the, just the awesomeness. And uh, this documentary is the, the footage and the, the interviews but now between people that were involved. Like, if you're into that at all, uh, you know, and that was a special time in sports. Like, it's a, it's a fascinating watch. It's really, really cool. And, I mean, it really wasn't just a special time in sports. It was a special time in society. You know, like, I, it was one of those cases in which – the, the team itself, and, you know, because of Michael Jordan and the culture that it cultivated, spread like wildfire everywhere. You know, you, you were hard-pressed to, to not see people with Bulls gear on, even if they were from. I had a Bulls jacket, and I was a Knicks fan, you know, but above everything else, I was also a Michael Jordan fan. You know, the guy always did everything with class. He always, you know, he always put everything fucking out there when he played, and you saw it 100% every time. You know, and again, like, I was a big basketball fan back in that time. Like, now I, I just, I can't. Like, I got out of it. I want to say, like, again, like, I remember you and me used to go back and forth with our NBA Live 95 sessions and everything back in the basement on the stage. We used Saturn. to go back and forth on um, the one-on-one sessions at the Lafayette Mills Court late night, too, man. Absolutely. Uh, again, it was like the early 2000s where it was just kind of like starting to just uh, to drift out of my uh, just out of my conscious mind. I don't know if it was a matter of just getting older and and realizing that I was never going to be an NBA superstar, or uh, or if it was just uh, the 
the decline of the sport or, or however people want to term it. I know, like, you know, there's been a lot of great players since. Um, there'll be a lot of great players in the future. Um, but it just never was able to capture me again the way that 1990s way went. And, again, that started from, like, I want to say, like, 89, 90, all the way through to, like, 98, 99 of just – just all basketball, you know. It was just it was a great was time a, to, to not only a, be a fan, it was a great I, time I, to I, be a fan of sports. Yeah, I, I know. I know this is not the forum for us to sit here and talk sports all night, but I do just want to say that we uh, there was a great we can article. Talk okay, good point. Uh, wrestling isn't sports, though. Wrestling uh, oh, is sports anyway. Oh. Sports entertainment. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. You're not what the hell are you talking about? There was a fantastic article in today's New York Post. It's real uh, to me. Uh, Ghoul, I'm sure you remember uh, uh, B.J. Armstrong, and uh, you know he played on the Bulls on their first. <laughs> How do you forget anybody named then, B.J. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, he he said that you know he played he has three rings. He played on the first three Pete and says that uh, you know he still has a good relationship with Jordan. He said not long before uh, not long before Kobe Bryant died, uh, you know he was going to be wherever Jordan was, and they arranged to have dinner. And he he arrived at the restaurant to meet Jordan for dinner. And there was a third chair at the table. And he said, is there someone else joining us? And Michael said that, that it's Kobe. And he said, Kobe came for dinner. And he said he watched those two break down their games to each other like a one-on-one basketball game. And this whole dinner was them analyzing each other's games, like down to the finest points. And when the dinner was over, uh, they came to the agreement that Jordan uh, was better than Kobe because Jordan's hands were a little bit bigger. And he just sat there in awe listening to these guys talk about basketball. Uh, he said it was like the most ridiculous thing he'd ever seen in his life. It was a really cool article in today's mm-hmm. post. I mean, obviously not being somebody that's stats-minded and all of that. You know, I like to think a certain – you know, when I think of certain sports and I think of certain sports figures and whatnot, I always, you know, it's, it's almost like I say with movies, it's comic book movies in particular. You know, your, your hero is only as good as your villain. I feel like a lot of sports stars are only as good as the competition. And for some reason, I just feel like when you look at everything that was going on in those 1990s, the level and caliber of players was just so much stronger. The personalities were so much stronger. Their style of play was so like game-changing at the time that I, that's why like I look at it and I say, you know what, this guy stood above Green the team. ball, you know, and and that's what he did. That's why to me, like I look at like you know, I look at somebody like LeBron, and yeah, you know what, LeBron is a is a fantastic ball player. He is. He is. He's got all the fucking skills for it. But if you put him into these 1990s society at that time, where would he then rank? You know what I mean? And unfortunately, those are things that we can never find out. We'll never be able to get the answers to those questions, you know? That's like saying who's going to win a fight, Muhammad Ali or Mike, Mike Tyson. You know, you can look – you Tyson. can't ever really make that yeah, – Muhammad <laughs> Ali had a lot of fucking speed and range, man. Tyson had that hook. He catches Muhammad Ali with the hook. Maybe he goes down, and that's that. But that's if he gets in and gets to it. Um you know, Mike was, was short and powerful. So we'll never know. That, that's my point, you know. And unfortunately, that, that is that, that little dance that I think will go down. Just like people will be like, oh, you know, Will Chamberlain was the greatest ever to, to ever play the game. And, and it'll go on and on and on and on. But I don't know. For me, it was, it's a great documentary series, and I highly recommend it. So if you like any kind of thing like that, check it out. Very cool. Next on yeah, Love man. Island. <laughs> yeah, do you want to tell us about this uh, this uh, reality shows you've been watching? 
<laughs> I mean, come on. This is not really reality shows, okay? It's Love Island, okay? We first watched the first season from the UK, then moved on to the third season because we didn't like the second season. Then we moved to the Australians. I'm like halfway through the Australian season one. Nothing has lived up to what that first season in the UK was. I don't know if it was a matter of the producers being like, you know what? It's probably not okay for us to show nudity on TV. It's probably not okay for us to show people fucking, even if it's under the cover. But, like, I mean, straight up, you knew she was on top of him, and there was all kinds of fucking going on there. Um, you know, I don't know. I, it's, it's just tamer. Everything about it is just tamer. I don't know if it's just that the, the, the people themselves are like, wow, man, if we do this, we're going to get fucking, we'll be fucking on TV. My mom might watch. Like, I don't care, man. I'd be like, you know, you know me. I'm the kind of guy that ran down the street with his fucking balls hanging out, you know, knocking on people's doors. So that's, it didn't that's make true. That's a true story. <laughs> I've seen that with my own eyes. That is 100% the truth. <laughs> so, and let's know, not let's let's uh, let's not split hairs here. It wasn't just your balls hanging out. You were completely naked. I was completely <laughs> naked. Yes, yes. And then a certain someone even took my clothes afterwards and like ran off with them. And you know, it was like okay, I can either run after him and chase around, or you know, I'll just. Let it hang and strut my shit. And you know what? I had nothing to be ashamed about, so I'm good. What a great day. He he, <laughs> he just needed some pimp theme music playing in the background. That's that's my background. <laughs> but yeah, so and we tried the American version. We watched like, I don't know, two episodes of that and again that was so much more tame than even the, the, the Australian and the UK that it's like that's just not happening. So there you go. There's, there's my update on Love Island. Which nobody cares to hear. So we're good. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All right. So back in the saddle like we said. Uh Dean, what do you have for us tonight? If you're a fan, you know you guys might not believe this, but if you are a fan of RoboCop, uh, you will finally have the opportunity to play as him in a video game because Mortal Kombat <laughs> Aftermath has announced wow, really? that you will be able. No, I'm kidding. Really? Yeah. Wow. I was gonna um, say, you know, we already covered this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just being. Um, but yeah, so we have. What do we have? What is going on in the world of horror? Um, so uh, the John uh, Lafia, who directed uh, Child's Play 2, has passed away. Yeah, suicide. Ah. Harsh. Yeah, man. You know, I tell you, it's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> wow, that's deep, man. You know? <laughs> like, I don't mean to laugh about it, but I mean, listen, the fact of the matter is this. It's a terrible thing. Suicide is a terrible thing. It's something that touches a lot of people's lives. And I know, you know, I don't have the fucking phone number right on me. Uh, you know, I should, but I don't. Um, obviously, anybody out there, if you feel it or you need help or anything like that, there are hotlines. There are people that you can call. Just know that, you know what, there's always somebody out there, even when you don't feel like there is. Um, you know, somebody that yeah, blows up and down with his emotions and shit, you know, I get it. You get down in those bad lulls, man, and you're down in those dumpy, shitty spots, and it's like, there's nothing. There's never going to be anything good again. Just know that, you know what, that's not true. That's just your brain telling you that, man. You'll pull, you'll pull through it. Yeah. yeah. Don't do it, you man. Will. Yeah, man. Teenage suicide, don't no, do that's it. true. So let's start. Let's start off with uh, with 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 death. So there's that. Uh, Nicholas Cage is going to play Joe Exotic in the Tiger King uh, series. Perfect. What? Love that cast choice. Nicholas Cage is Seriously? going to play Joe Exotic in the Tiger King limited series. Yes. Uh, it was announced just a day or two ago. 
Uh, it's a perfect Can't fit of casting. I, I believe yeah. that Kate McKinnon is going to play Carol Baskin. Uh, That's even better. So, so, so the, the casting uh, has started to, to be announced for that. So uh, it'll be interesting okay. to see if the, if the Tiger King mania, uh, you know, has died down by then because it was such a groundswell that first week of quarantine and it's kind of gone away to some degree. But now it's of kind of it funny that it, it, was so, it was so amazingly overwhelming uh, but like, I still think it's funny when like a little Tiger King meme like pops up somewhere. Uh, so uh, I'll be curious to see what kind of interest there is by the time an actual series gets around. Okay, so uh, I mean, if you if you don't mind me, jump in here real quick. Uh, I mean, can you explain what what you're saying here about a series? Like, are they taking this and just turning it into a complete fictional series, or what what's going on, Dean? So from my understanding. Uh, they're just so we watched the documentary, uh, but now there's going to be uh, like a scripted series uh, about the Tiger King uh, experience, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably like dramatized. You know, we saw the doc. Now it's going to be dramatized with Nick Cage and Kate McKinnon. Strike while the iron's hot. Get those movies out while you still can before Joe Exotic goes away. Nobody even thinks about him anymore. You, you, you mean so. like the you, you mean like the Barbie uh, Joe Exotic thing that's going on? <laughs> yeah, Barbie and Kendra saved the Tiger King. Comes out in the eighteenth. So they're cranking it out. Oh, okay, oh, yeah. so I no, I I did a quick research and I am wrong. Okay. Wait, hang, hold, hold, hold your hats for a moment. Hold your horses. Uh, Let us know. The <laughs> breaking news: The Nicolas Cage Tiger King series is going to be eight episodes, uh, and it's going to be produ- produced by Imagine Television and CBS Television, uh, and it's based on an article from Te- Texas Monthly called "Joe Exotic: A Dark Journey into the World of a Man Gone Wild." Uh, mm. That is separate from the other Tiger King scripted series. Uh, that is oh, going to one? start. That's <laughs> going to star Kate McKinnon. That's based on the Wondery podcast Joe Exotic, which is where the Netflix series came from. So there's going to be wow. two scripted series about Joe Exotic. <laughs> wow! Which means we're going to get, get all it. kinds of fun overload, man. You know what? This is yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, look, you know what? And I kind of get it. You know. It comes out. It's big. Certain people make money. Certain people don't. So everybody starts fucking trying to sell their story or their swing of it or this or that. Their rights to this. This guy's rights to that. You know, I don't know. I so, cite things like this with Netflix, man. The first season, right, of Making a Murderer was fantastic. Everybody mm-hmm. talked about it. It was water cooler conversation yeah. worthy shit. Yes. But nobody even. Pretty much almost nobody even knows there was a second season to that. Because you know never what? watched it. There was almost nothing to report by that point. You know, the fact nope. is, when you take these real situations, well, we've only got X amount of months before Joe has another hearing. Are you going to show us every little thing leading up to that over the fucking course of eight hours? Because that's almost what the Making a Murder season was. But they did. That's what I'm saying. They figure out ways to do it. You'll cover the lawyer. 
You know what I mean? You won't, you can't cover him, but you can cover his lawyer. You can cover this. You can cover that. But when I tell you that the second season of Making a Murderer was terrible, it was so oh, it was. fucking dull, so yep. boring that I don't even think I finished it. Like it was, and like I liked the first season. I did. I enjoyed the series. You know. Um, this is going to do the same thing. It's going to fade away because you know what? Overload's going to happen. People are going to forget about it in a year, and some other thing is going to occur. But you know what? Again, strike while the iron's hot. Enjoy. Enjoy what you could possibly make off of it. Well, and that whole well, thing with I, making a murderer, oh, sorry, the only sorry. thing I could compare it to was uh, the West Memphis Three and those three documentaries that came out, Paradise Lost. But, mm-hmm. again, they had spaced them out. Those were over the course of the first years, first... though. Yeah, but they were still compelling because they were introducing new shit. Like they were like, yeah. Oh shit, we found new evidence. This is 2000. Now we have new evidence. We have to talk about this. And then the third one's about their release. So it had you coming back for new information. The second season of making a murder was just recapping. Like it was just like, okay, we know this, we know this. So why the fuck do I want to watch it? Like it was just, like you said, it was just dull. It wasn't giving you anything new that you didn't already know. You had that woman lawyer coming in saying that she's, they're checking for somebody that supposedly, you know, had something to do with yep. it. And it was like, man, lady, you are so full of shit. You know, I could Reaching. see somewhere yeah. that some Netflix executive was like, holy shit, we need to get another season of this out. What's going on with the case? Nothing? Well, we're going to make something fucking happen. And you know what? I hope that person's fired because you know what? You failed. Well, here's something. Also, though, with triplicates, you were talking about three, what, documentaries? You just said, King? For Paradise West Memphis Three, the Paradise Lost series. Yeah. yeah. Great yeah. series. So, uh, great I don't know. Series. King, this might be like a little bit before your time. Uh, you would have been like a youngster. Uh, monkey, maybe you remember this. Uh, Ghoul, I know you do because it was like Sucking so big in our area. But when, no, when, when, uh, when Amy Fisher shot Mary Jo Botafuco. Uh, there oh, was yeah. not one, there was not two, but there were three television movies uh, made about Long that. And all at the same time, in the, all at the all at the same time, uh, in uh, in like in two thousand, you know, whatever two thousand one, whatever year, what year was that? Nineteen ninety two. Yeah, that was early nineties. Yeah, but so, yeah, but there was made three that all came out at the same time, and one of them starred uh, Drew Barrymore as Amy Fisher, and another one starred Alyssa Milano. And uh, I, I saw that who was in the yeah. other one. I can't remember who was in the other yeah. one, but I, I saw the Alyssa, Alyssa Milano one. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> but, but but all three came out at the same time, so that also was like there wasn't like a, like a Netflix where there could be like a multi-part um, like a multi-part uh, documentary like like Netflix. But uh, this had that had the kind of you know attention capturing uh, factor uh, such as Tiger King at the time. Yes, and I thought Jessica Carrington did the same thing. It's like the O.J. Simpson, like you know, all of that stuff. Back then, though, yeah, Lorraine television, <laughs> you had yep. various, you know, television networks, like networks themselves, that were putting out, you know, a made-for-TV movie for it, getting whatever, you mm-hmm. know, whoever the. The whoever was a hot actress back, you know, five, six years ago, well, we're going to drag her out in the fucking mud and throw her up on the screen right now. This guy, remember, Drew Barrymore, 1992, 93, wasn't doing much yet. Scream didn't happen. Um, nope. Uh, maybe maybe she was doing Poison Ivy at that time. Yeah, so she yeah, was kind of hot amongst, yeah. the, amongst the, the video 
store crowd, you know, because yes, Poison yeah. Ivy was uh, was a lot of it was a fun rental. I'll say that much. It was very fun to watch on cable too. Um, <laughs> sequel but, was steamier, if I remember right. But, but yeah. By the, by the <laughs> way, who who who, yeah. who just said who said who said John Bobbitt? Who said that? Uh, I did. <laughs> yeah. Did Did you know Did you know that last year, right to the uh, Jordan Jordan, you know, last year Jordan Peele produced a four episode uh, documentary for Amazon Prime called Lorena. That was like an exhaustive uh, examination of that whole situation. He did? Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, on, on, that. on Amazon Prime, there's a, there's a docu-series called Lorena. Uh, it's four episodes, and uh, Jordan Peele produced it. And it's a, you know, it's a deep dive in, into the whole Lorena Baba case. Oh, oh shit. Out. Okay. <laughs> Do you guys remember in 1992 when Howard, Stern, when Howard Stern did the pay-per-view New Year's Rock and Eve? Uh, he had John Wayne mm-hmm. Bobbitt on and offered him like $10,000 cash right there in the moment to show it, and he refused. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so then he went on to do porn, uh, so it's okay. <laughs> you know that his poor well, movie is like uncut? <laughs> <laughs> John Wayne Bobbitt's porno movie is called Uncut with John Wayne Bobbitt. Yeah, yeah. I know it's out there. I haven't seen it, but I know about it. <laughs> you know, John, you know, not, 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 not to be like, okay, I know, it's, I know it's a little sci-fi channel series type of shit, right? But you know how, like, you have a movie series, right? And eventually it'll spawn off, like, like yeah, demonic toys versus fucking, you know, the, uh, the, the dolls or whatever they were called. Right? Puppet Master. Yeah, yes, Puppet Master. Action you know, they figure? probably should have put... They should have... No, not action figures. They should have put together a porn with fucking Amy Fisher... And him. You know what I mean? Like, you put that together. That's like Anaconda versus fucking Lake Placid. You know, that kind of deal. King Kong <laughs> versus Godzilla. <laughs> I've seen him in his yeah, porn she, videos. She They're pretty did, fucking she great. Did some, <laughs> she, she did. Yeah. Uh, she ended up doing porn at some point, Amy Fisher. Oh, yeah. I know she, yeah, she, did, I know she did. What I'm saying is you needed to put Amy Fisher I love you, with, uh, with Mr. No Dick. You know what I mean? And you would have been perfect. Franken Dick. Man, that would yeah, that would have been a versus for the you know the the, the world. <laughs> John Wayne Bobbitt versus Amy Fisher. Yeah, it you know, it's like fucking, it, it's like Batman versus Superman. <laughs> yeah. uh, somebody's thinking about that somewhere in Hollywood. Now, <laughs> man, nobody You're takes welcome. it seriously. <laughs> All I wanted to do was an Amy Fisher versus John Wayne Bobbitt movie. Thank God for talking terror. <laughs> they have my back, right, guys? Yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> Just throw me in the special hey, way. Okay, I'm good. You want to give hey, me a scene? I'll take a scene. No, I have no problem showing my dick on camera. Just as long as he's got a giant unicorn head on his head. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great video. I, oh, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> All right, Dean, so what's next? What do you got, Dean? Let's see. Uh, I have previously talked on this program a couple of times about the upcoming documentary about 1980s horror called In Search of Darkness. Um, I've talked Uh about it more than once. The trailer for that is phenomenal. Uh, It seems right now it is streaming. Uh, It's four hours long. It's it's streaming on some website called gumroad.com, and it's called The Lockdown Edition. But it's coming, and I and I did not do the research of whether this is to own or just to watch. But it's coming right, right. now, anyway, with a very hefty price tag of twenty seven ninety nine. 
Mm, no, I think I pass on that. I mean, I just, I don't know. I remember you talking about it and the trailer looked good and everything like that, but it's just kind of the greatest hits, you know, of movies that I already know. But I know that the original backers, you know, the people that created it were asking like exorbitant prices for it at one point, like hundreds of dollars to buy what, it. On their, on their, on their GoFundMe? Oh, yeah. Soda. Yeah, they were asking for like a couple hundred dollars to buy it. You know, for some reason, they just went crazy. And they're just like, yeah, this is the greatest thing you ever watch. It's four hours. And then they took that price tag down way low because people were like, what the fuck? I'm paying $300 to watch a four-hour documentary where it's just the greatest hits of 80s are. So, yeah, it was a misstep on their point. But they're working on another one now uh, in search of tomorrow, which is about sci-fi of the 80s. And I think it's pretty cool. Okay, here, I, I just did a quick, a quick search. So it's twenty seven ninety nine to buy. It's uh seventeen ninety nine for a thirty day rental, and you'll have seventy two hours to watch it as much as you like once you start it. Oh, well, I mean that's still well much. I mean I'll chip in five bucks. Yeah, <laughs> apparently it's uh, two hundred and sixty three minutes long, so it's over four hours. Yeah, I don't know. I mean I'll stick with my going to pieces DVD, which covered the golden year of slashers. It's still one of my favorite documentaries ever. About the eighties horror movie. <laughs> or you know, Never Sleep Again or Crystal Lake Memories. Yeah, I'll stick with those. I mean, those are pretty dope <laughs> documentaries. Just the uh, you know, that, okay. that I just remember the trailer for that one looking super fun. It did look great, you know, but uh, no no, just a little bit too much for my blood to rent or buy. I mean, you know, we've talked about those prices before. That movie's coming out not knowing what to do, you know, like why oh, would I want to pay twenty dollars to rent in seventy two hours? That's yeah, but, uh, but also when AMC's already pretty much done the exact same thing when they did, like, you know, the 100 greatest horror movies of all time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100 greatest movie moments. I still don't agree that Jaws should have been number one. But that's just me. What do you think should be number I, I one? Thought... Out of the 100 that they showed, none of the living dead. If you say fucking Dr. Giggles, you're fired. <laughs> Dr. Giggles, no. I mean, that wouldn't even... That would be in the 100, but it wouldn't be number one. Night of the Living Dead, 68, would be number number one. For the impact that it had, for how long it stayed, where people are still loving it, yeah. Definitely Night of the Living Dead. Okay, wait a minute, though. You say that, okay? You say that, like Jaws, didn't create an entire fucking, not only genre of film, but it, it actually... It created the idea of a summer blockbuster. It literally changed movies and movie going as you possibly know it. Something that Night of the Living Dead didn't do. I get that Night of He's the got Living Dead is a great film. It's a great film. Yeah, yeah. It really is. But it, you know, come on, man. It's fucking Jaws. I see your point, and you make a great point too. I just, I don't, I don't know. I just, I never really considered Jaws that much of a horror film. Yeah, but Jaws did have a greater impact to the point where it's like that year and the years after and shit like that, it scared people so bad they didn't even want to go into fucking swimming pools because they were afraid of sharks. Oh, look at what Psycho there. did in 60. It's, Psycho it made people afraid to go take a shower. It scared people to the point that, unfortunately, to show the more negative side of humankind, death of sharks ridiculously because people decided to now start killing the fucking things because their mentality was that well it happened in the movie it's going to happen in real life 
Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, there's a, a point, to, you know, a counterpoint to that. I, that's just my opinion, you know, not to not to take away from the impact that Jaws had because it did, but you know, from a horror fan standpoint, mm-hmm. I would definitely mm-hmm. stick more traditional horror. You know, the Living Dead, you know, as a number one, I would definitely mm-hmm. put Jaws in the top five. It's not number one. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, what would be your number one spot then, Ghoul? I would have to look at the whole list. Uh, again, Jaws would probably fit right in there, but, you know, again, without looking at the exact list, other movies that come to my mind that are better, in my opinion anyway, than Night of the Living Dead, something like The Exorcist. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, could throw, I could throw that yeah. in there. Uh, Psycho's you know, in the conversation. Psycho, Psycho the yeah, conversation. that's a good one. Silence of the Lambs falls into the conversation. I mean, there's a lot of films that can fall in there that, again, I I get that Night of the Living Dead created an entire genre all of its own with the zombie film. You know, it it did. It did some great things. It was low-budget making, movie-making, indie filmmaking at its finest. It is a great film. I've said that time and time again. One of my favorites. But uh, there's other films that I feel like, you know, again, take that number one slot over that. So Dean, uh, you you brought it up. So what would be your horror moment, or like greatest horror moment of all time? Ben? Greatest horror moment? Well, no, you should rephrase that. Movie, movie, movie. Yeah, like you know, I think all of those same ones are all there, right there, like that you can debate forever, like uh, Jaws. Uh, Psycho, The Exorcist, I feel like you can debate those to the end of time. Um, Do I think Night of the Living Dead uh, is in the conversation? I do. um, Rosemary's Baby. Because of how groundbreaking it is. Uh, Rosemary's Baby is there. As far as technical filmmaking is concerned, uh, I don't necessarily feel that way about Night of the Living Dead, but like it's certainly in the conversation. I feel that it's something. There's no. There's no clear answer. It's stuff that that can be debated forever, and will you know it's 2020, and those handful of movies are still debated for that role, and 20 years from now will still be debated for that role. So I would hope that sometime between now and then, something new could come out that can get into the conversation. Um, but until that comes, we're going to still be debating those. Uh, you know, for the end of time. It's the same way. It's, it's, it's the same reason. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's the same reason that when people talk about, oh, you know, the greatest rock album that's ever come out, like in the like forever in the conversation, it's Led Zeppelin Four and Dark Side of the Moon and Who's Next and uh, you know all, all of those that are always the, the Sgt. Pepper's. They're they're always going to be in that conversation. And you can debate them until the end of time. Yeah, and that's why I like lists. I do. You know, I might not disagree, I might not agree with them, but I do like them just to see what people heads are at. You know, the what they consider number one, or even number three, you know, top five. You know, so I like, I just I love lists. But all right, Dean, uh, what do you have next? Twilight. Uh, genre figure, uh, Danny Trejo is getting his own documentary. There's a trailer. It's called Inmate Number One: The Rise of Danny Trejo. Uh, you can check cool. the trailer out now, and if you're interested in Danny <laughs> Trejo, there's an opportunity for you to learn a little bit, little bit more about that that pugnacious, lovable face. <laughs> one of the best character actors. I mean, that's one of those opinions that I have. He's one of the best character actors act- out there. You know, he could always plays a good character whenever you see him on screen. 
Never been disappointed by a Trejo movie. Dude. Danny <laughs> Trejo again. I mean, I know we've said it before. We'll say it again. He's just one of those dudes that's just a scary-looking motherfucker. He's the kind of guy you look at and you're like, you know what, man? No. I, I, when he punches somebody in the face in a movie, just based on the way he looks, they say you can't judge a book by its cover, my ass. Just looking at that dude looks like, you know what, that probably fucking hurt. You know, he looks like the kind of guy that's like, you know, he's probably seen some shit. He's probably done some shit. And it's real. You know, the lines on his face show it. The fucking cracks in his hands show it. Everything about that dude shows that he's a badass. You know, not to bring up fucking Love Island again, but like in the one season I'm watching, there's this fucking guy, right? And he's a CO for a prison. And I happen to notice as he's sitting there at the table, he's got like these little girly hands. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you're a fucking corrections officer at a prison and your fucking hands look all girly and dainty like that? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you're supposed to look like a man that can fucking take somebody down, you know, not fucking Mr. fucking Edward Tiny Hands over here. <laughs> And Dean, doesn't Danny Trejo have like a taco joint in California? Like Trejo's Tacos or something like that? I don't know. I don't know about that. If he does, that's got to be down by L.A. Because that's certainly not around here. Didn't he save somebody from a burning fucking car not too long ago? Like he stopped in traffic, got the fuck out. I saw that. Somebody out of a a fucking burning car. That's Danny Trejo. Okay. Danny Trejo, everybody. Yeah, yeah, he has this uh, Trejo's Tacos. It's in La Brea, which is in L.A. So, uh, oh, okay. yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, right. uh, Danny Trejo Taqueria, Trejo's Tacos. Well, yeah, well, he has one in La Brea, he has one in UT Village, and then he has another one in Hollywood called Trejo's Cantina. That one uh, in La Brea. I, I didn't, see, didn't see those listed. <laughs> Probably because Danny Trejo walked the fuck out of the tar pits, okay? He's like the Mexican version <laughs> Okay, of Chuck Norris at this point, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there he is. Danny Trejo saved a child from a, a baby trapped in a burning car. See? <laughs> yeah. he's, he's fucking badass. <laughs> <laughs> I feel and like there's only stories like that about Bill Murray. No, and it's like, and and then you can just imagine him walking away from this car that's exploding behind him. He's walking in slow yeah, motion, slow motion with slow that motion. look on, with the look on his face while just holding the baby cigar. in his arms. You know, no, you know, and, and you just know, the, a fucking the, vest, no shirt, no nothing. The actual, <laughs> the actual world probably turned to slow motion in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your baby. Oh, my God. Dina Trejo. This is the baby to the mom, you know, like, you know, just a perfect bro. You know, like you said, lights fucking pops the cigar in his mouth, just lights it up. The car finally explodes. They should make David Trejo a fucking Terminator. Why didn't they do that? You know, like, you want, like they went so hard at making the new Terminator, like, Hispanic-friendly. Why not make Danny fucking Trejo the Terminator, okay? Because I believe that. That shows up at your fucking door with a glowing red eye. You know, you don't even need much special effects, okay? I believe it. He's a fucking Terminator. <laughs> That's why I love Machete so much. I wish he was making another one. Boy too. <laughs> he was, yeah. With that tattoo on his chest. Uh, yeah, Bubble <laughs> Boy was great. <laughs> but yeah, Machete... Just fucking kills. Machete kills being the sequel. Yeah, I would love to see a third one. I know Danny Trejo said he wants to make a third one, but make it in space. Uh, I would just love him seeing just killing aliens. Like, you know, just, fuck you, aliens. Oh, my God, it's Danny Trejo. It's kids' movies. Yeah. I've never seen it, though, so I can't say it. 
Yeah, he was Uncle Machete in the Spy Kids movies. Makes it even better. All right, Dean. Uh, so what else do you have for us? So, uh, season two of The Twilight Zone, the CBS All Access uh, streaming show, which I have not seen one minute of, uh, nope, says they're either. hosting an impressive, an impressive lineup of performers for season two, which comes out this summer, including Sky Ferreria, uh, Topher Grace, David Krumholtz, Gretchen Mole, and Damon Wayans Jr. Uh, to appear in episodes of the upcoming Twilight Zone uh, reboot season two. I haven't seen it. I don't know what the reviews are, if anyone liked it or if anyone's watching it uh, because of its uh, availability on CBS streaming. I have not had the chance to check it out. Uh, Have either of you two guys had a chance to check it out yet? I've only seen one episode, and that was a free one that they threw up when the first season came out. They put up the uh, first episode, The Comedian. And I watched it, and I was like, that's mm. great. You know, it was good. You know, Jordan Peele was a great stand-in for Rod Serling, but after that, nope. Because <laughs> I didn't pay for any of them else. I <laughs> just watched that first one. And I was like, that's good. You know, but I'm not paying for CBS All Access. So I did not see any of the episodes. Uh, I figure eventually it'll uh, it'll end. I'll end up getting a free trial of it somehow or another, and I'll I'll just watch them all. I think they were offering something like a week or two ago through either Hulu or, or, or Apple or something. So I just got to be on the lookout for it, and then we to cancel right after I watch what I want. To. Like having Apple TV, that's going to be a year subscription. I haven't watched one thing on it yet. <laughs> yeah. Google, Google's going to do an update for it. <laughs> Google's going to do an update for his Xbox. He's going to end up with free streaming on everything. <laughs> Just, here you go. Free free trial of everything. <laughs> you already, you already have half got, of them yeah. anyway. <laughs> that's how I got stuck with Shudder, because I got that, that free trial for the shut-in, and now I still have it, and I've actually paid for it now. So I'm like, well, I got it. So I guess I'll just keep it going, because I do love Shudder. <laughs> the one streaming service I stand by. I, Even though I, I have most of the movies. Since the start, man, on Amazon Prime, I subscribed to it right off the bat, and I've had it ever since. So yeah. I've always paid for it. So you guys enjoy your yeah. 30-day trial or whatever you got, man. I love. No, I'm paying for it now. I'm a I'm a paid member now, sure. So I pay my five ninety nine a month. If you get uh, it through Amazon, it. it's less. No, well, no, I just signed up for it. It's okay. I mean, it's five ninety nine a month. I'm not going to complain too much with all the content they have. I'm always watching something on Shutter, whether it's documentaries. Um, I, I think I told you on the group chat that Joe Bob Briggs season two of The Last Drive-In premiered, and last week they had the episode of Maniac and Heathers, because apparently Joe Bob wants to go away from so much horror-centric, and he wants to go horror-adjacent, so that's why he picked Heathers. And that was a great fucking pick. <laughs> that was a great episode. <laughs> yeah. Tom Savini. Greetings and salutations. Double feature of Maniac and Heathers. <laughs> So on those episodes, do they, like, watch the movie and they're doing commentary while they're watching the movie? No, they uh, they do, like, uh, parts, you know, so they have segments. You know, Joe Bob kicks off the episode, he has a commentary, and then they kick off the movie, and then the guest comes in, and then they go back to the movie. So there's no commentary during the movie, it's just the movie. Oh, okay, so they're sticking with the original format then. Yeah, mm-hmm. And then they have Darcy the oh, Mail Girl, okay. you know, opening the mailbags. I mean, they stick in a Monster Vision format. But they're going to show the movie without any commentary. Oh, okay. And if, if you want commentary during the film, you want to watch Rift Tracks. You know, that'll... Uh, yeah. Yes. That was, uh, 
I was I had that on in the background today, man. You know, so they were doing the uh, the last slumber party, um, a movie that I would have never oh, seen I've otherwise, unless one, yeah. what, unless so one of you other motherfuckers picked it. And yeah, it was actually uh, it was very enjoyable listening to those dudes spoof it the whole the entire time. Funny stuff. That movie's so fucking weird. <laughs> it's just, I can't. I've seen it on Rift. And it's still just fucking, just so weird and fucking terrible. Like all at the same time, the riffing really does help. <laughs> when you watch the last mm-hmm. summer party. It's just, uh, wow. Mm-hmm. Somebody gave my that guy and made that movie. My only complaint with the Rift Tracks <laughs> channel that I have through my television is that, like, you get these intercut like commercials of the show itself. Yeah. So basically, they're giving you a commercial of another episode of Rip Tracks that's only available mm-hmm. on like .dot com, but it's the same one again and again and again. It's like She, Samurai Cop, and like one other movie, and then there's the fucking theme song. Why you wanna go and get Rip Tracks? <laughs> like it just keeps playing again and again and again. You wanna stick your fucking head through like a, a wall somewhere? Yeah, I just see on because on Tubi they have a Rip Tracks channel. Because that's how I watched it this weekend, where they did um, Plan Nine from Outer Space, is on the Rift Tracks channel. Yeah, Samurai Cops on there too. Because I watch the Samurai Cop uh, Rift Tracks, but yeah, they also have it on Pluto TV, which I watch. I've got it for Samsung's televisions. So it, it's mm-hmm. definitely worth it to see these movies rift. But uh, mm-hmm. all right, Dean. So what else? What what else do you have for horror news? I got a couple of competitions that I'd like to talk about real quick. Uh, All right. You, if Dinosaur? you're interested, you can, uh, you can have the opportunity uh, to get eaten by a dinosaur in Jurassic World 3. Uh, Chris nice. Pratt is hosting a digital charity fundraiser, uh, an all-in fundraiser that you can find on fanatics.com. Uh, it's basically you are paying for your entries into the drawing. Uh, $10 gets you 10 entries. Uh, $25 gets you 25 entries. $50 gets you 100 entries, and $100 gets you 200 entries. Uh, the winner will get the opportunity to be in Jurassic World 3 and get eaten by a dinosaur. Sweet. Which okay. is interesting, so, but they're also doing the, so the yeah. auction, too, for that one. And it's up, it was up to $36,000 the last time I checked, that auction, to be eaten by a dinosaur. So I don't know how well the sweepstakes is going to do. I'd like to see how that bears compared to the auction. Okay. So we all chip in 25 bucks for 1,000 entries, and then we draw straws on who gets to be eaten by a dinosaur. <laughs> Wait, what? I think that I want to see the king get eaten by a dinosaur. Oh, you would. That, that would actually... <laughs> <laughs> the, the only way that's good, I mean, here's the problem with stuff like that. You know, there's never a guarantee that your scene ends up in the movie itself. Um, oh, yeah. Might film it, and then it's just on the cutting room floor, um, which is it would be such a disappointing drag, number one. Number two, I'm sorry, but as the horror fans that we are, and I love the Jurassic Park series, I really do, but I would think that if any one of us were to be eaten by a dinosaur, it would need to be done in, like, bloody fashion, dead alive oh, level, yeah. blood, bloodletting. You know what I mean? Like, if the king is getting eaten, I want spray. I want splatter. I want Chris, <laughs> Chris Pratt to be standing there looking like he was in a Bukaki video with just king blood <laughs> all over him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. all over the place. We, we want intestines. We, we want things to be pulled apart, you know, drag, yes. you know, while you're screaming the entire time, you know, of just bloody murder. <laughs> Sounds like a whole bunch of raptors just tear me apart. 
Mm-hmm. Like Dead Alive style. That would be fucking boss. <laughs> <laughs> Not just the T-Rex going, no. no, I want a whole fucking team of fucking Raptors. <laughs> win from win. <laughs> you know, get some guts in there. Yeah, I'm with the ghoul on that one. All right, so what's the other competition you got, Doc? Uh, Dean? Uh, so there's that. And if you are so inclined, you also have the opportunity to be featured. I don't know about featured, but to appear in <laughs> Bill and Ted Save the World. Uh, they have loaded a demo musical track uh, up to the site. Uh, for the movie, and what they are requesting is that you film yourself or your family or your friends or all together uh, either playing along to this demo track with actual instruments or air guitar and air instrument playing along to this demo track, and you submit it to them by May 20th, and they will pursue the end or peruse the entries and uh, choose the winner, and the winner of this contest will get to appear in some fashion in Bill and Ted Save the World. I can't rock and roll to you. Can't rock and roll to you. Be excellent to each other, dude. That that just gave me fucking bad flashbacks. Like, bad, bad flashbacks. Uh, Yep. (laughs) That's what I picture when you're saying uh, this competition to uh, to, to put yourself in there. God only knows what they're going to line you up with at that point. But, yes, I did stand here doing my... My best Bill and Ted windmill, you know, in slow, slow fashion, like they did in the future. <laughs> all right, Dean. So is that all you got, yeah. or you got something else before we get into the movie for tonight? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that pretty much wraps it up for the most part. I've got one more piece of important information here. Do I do. Oh, please right. tell us. Please I mean, tell us. Please tell us, school. I know. I, listen, I get it, okay? We're all excited. You're all going to be very excited. Thank you, Fungul. Um, um, so, I know it's your favorite movie series out there. I bet you it's also your favorite book series out there. But did you know that on August 4th of 2020, Stephanie Twilight? Mayer is, is releasing Midnight Sun, which is the first oh, dude, like, oh, no. story... But through the perspective, <laughs> through the perspective of Mr. Hairdo himself, Edward Cullen. Okay, so for all you out there, all you excited ladies, be ready. August fourth, you can put your pre-orders in now. Get that shit. Midnight Sun, uh, like S U N or S O N, like sun to a family. S U N, like the sun, uh, like the sunlight uh, that makes them sparkle. Like diamonds. Uh, like no. midnight fun? You mean like having a good time, midnight fun? Can I break <laughs> <Midnight> up <the> <laughs> diamonds? <laughs> Whew. I thought I was wrong, but it actually is another Twilight. Wow. Stephanie Myers. Oh, oh man. <clears throat> I thought it was Jen Berry. You, you were excited. No, that was a bad movie. Um, oh, that was terrible. That, that could, man, that bitch just needs to stop seriously. Just go away. Good, good. Just, I I'm go away. I'm, I'm gonna disagree. Yeah. I'm gonna disagree with you with that for a moment, and there's a reason. Um, mm, while uh, what's that? It's because you're student. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, anywhere that I've been teaching in all kinds of communities, uh, those books have kids reading, and those books might not be for me, and I've never read one word of them, and they might be terrible, but 
you know, when you go and you teach in a community where people really don't give a shit about reading and all these kids want to do is read books, uh, that's a good thing. So uh, that is the only reason. That's yeah. the only reason why I say that. I could I, I, I said right there, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. I understand Anything your point. Anything that brings 100%. people to the written word, to written paper word, whether it's on your Kindle, whether it's in a fucking in your hand, whether it's a small little paperback or a gigantic hardcover. What's it in your hand? Whatever it is. <laughs> Use your strong hand. Um, whatever <laughs> it is. You know, I can never, ever diss people getting back into reading. You know, Harry Potter did it. Twilight series did it, you know. I, I'm good with that. I can I can always accept that, whether or not, just like you, whether or not I actually read the series, which I will probably end up reading this series, so that I can see Such a loser. Midnight Sun and, and, and diddle myself. I'm gonna flick my bean. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna flick my bean. <laughs> I tried the first book. I couldn't make it through it. If you're gonna flick your I bean, heard at that, least just go read some other shitty book like Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. I heard I heard that it's uh, a first person style uh, storytelling device, and I'm not a fan of those. So it very well may be that I don't get very far in the book and I just stop altogether. But we will see. Yeah, it's hard. First person's hard. I'm not a big fan of that. Either. I like third person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, I need being, to be that being said, the good the ghoul loves Gerald game. <laughs> 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 All right. Boy. So going from vampires to zombies, the night eats wait, the wait, world. Before we get to the zombies, we get to the zombies I, have, I have I have just one more final honorable mention before we get to zombies. Uh, for what for are we an award friends show of now? ours. <laughs> no, uh, but I just wanted to mention uh, for those that were very excited about the uh, special Sylvester Stallone retrospectives that myself and the Ghoul did, and our fans of the Rambo series, and you will reside in the United States. Uh, the United States got a version of Rambo Last Blood 12 minutes shorter uh, than the rest of the world. Uh, Rambo The Last Blood this past week appeared on Amazon Prime for streaming. Uh, both the United States theatrical release is there as well as the full the version that's 12 minutes longer. So if you were bummed that you didn't get to see the full version and are curious to see the new opening and some of the other added scenes, uh, the full version is also streaming on Amazon Prime. I okay, watched great. the beginning of it. It's something. Wow, the first victim of murder hornets has been reported. Oh, no, not him. <laughs> but he can't see without his glasses. <laughs> mm-hmm. For those of you out there who <laughs> like to know what it is that we're giggling with, which is the children's are fucking dying. <laughs> <laughs> they have, somebody put together a picture that shows none other than Holly Culkin, the movie My Girl, as he lays there, right the, first now. Victim, the first victim of the murder hornets, everybody. Right there. Wonderful thing. That's the problem with the audio format. See, if we had an actual video, we could show it to you. Oh, dying. I love it. This is going on Instagram right this minute. I I saw that movie in theaters. Oh, when – and when that scene happened, like – no, I was literally standing in my seat. No, no, but I was standing in my seat cheering. And I, I was like, you fuck yeah, kill that little fucker. And, and so, so many families were around me just all so upset. And I was like, what is he fucking calling? <laughs> fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> this, I just posted this, just went to the Instagram. I'm dying, man. This is the funniest shit I've seen all day. <laughs> There's a good one. That's a good one. Shout out to Dave oh, Green, my my. Who, I, uh, who I found it off of. So thank you, Dave, very much. <laughs> Dude, awesome. <laughs> all right, Doc, you're up. Take us away. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> that was so funny, man. I needed that so bad. <laughs> That, that was awesome. He can't see without his glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Best line of the movie. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we have we have the night of the world. First girlfriend says he must have been looking for her ring. <laughs> <laughs> the night eats the world and the beer the PG Thomas Jack. Um, yep. In two thousand eighteen, uh French film directed by Dominique Rocher. Or Rocher, I don't know how the froggies pronounce that shit. Um uh, so we have this. Uh The Night Eats the World was based on a novel of the same name by Pitt Agerman. And uh, in this film, uh, we have a musician named Sam who has come to retrieve some belongings from his ex-girlfriend. And uh, on his way into the room to get those, uh, you know, gets smacked in the nose. And when he gets into that room, he ends up uh, passing out. And outside, we hear carnage. When he awakes, he discovers I didn't think that, was coming out that everyone is dead. Uh, he discovers everyone is dead and the room is filled with blood and uh, he goes to the door and there's his girlfriend and someone else is zombified and they attack and he locks, locks the door uh, of the apartment and then sees another family out the window across get demolished by zombies and he needs to uh, make his way in this world uh, solo and figure out what's going on. Uh, and that is the basic premise of uh, the Night of the World from 2018, of which uh, we will now talk about at length in the way that Talking Terror program does so. He writes me solo. He writes me solo. (laughs) But what did you think about it, Dean? Uh, I I liked it. Uh, I didn't love it. I thought it was interesting. It was an interesting take of on the kind of the one man alone in the world. Uh, zombie genre avenue. Uh, I saw it referred somewhere as like uh, 28 uh, days without the without the action. Um, 28 days later without the action, um, which I don't know. It's kind of fitting. There's a little bits of action here and there, but uh, I mean, I kind of enjoyed watching this character and his mental breakdown and uh, trying to survive in this new world. It was a little bit different than what we usually see in zombie movies. So, I mean, I didn't love it, but, you know, it was kind of entertaining. All right. Uh, Ghoul, what do you think about the night of the world? Uh, you know, I hear a name like that, and then I hear that it's French. And I just think, great, it's the Dean's pick. I'm thinking, we are full. Oh, yes, we. Oh, je ne sais quoi. Anyway, uh, so yes, you know, I, I even he mentioned la fromage. Oh, <laughs> can you blow me where the Pampers is? 
I even mentioned no, Cougar. No, no, like, I learned okay. that from Freakazoid. It is who cut the cheese in French. That is the only French I know. <laughs> Don't they ask El Um So anyway, so I even mentioned Google Girl. I'm like, hey, you want to watch this movie with me? Blah, 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 blah. She's like, whose pick is it? I'm like, it's the Dean's pick. She goes, it's fucking French, and it's his pick. No, I'm not watching it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, uh, thankfully... You know, both of us. She ended up watching it with me for the most part. Uh, we're we're pleasantly surprised by it. You know what? I really expected the worst, and uh, what I ended up getting instead was something that uh, kind of fell in the middle. There, there were parts that I enjoyed. There were parts that I've seen done differently in another movie series. Uh, well, not movie series, movie that I'm sure we'll mention at some point or another here. And uh, I, I felt like that was a, a better way to take it. But you know, is what it is. Right. Monkey, what did you think about the Night of the World? Um, I thought this was a really interesting piece. Um, I thought it was an interesting take, if you will, on like a Robinson Crusoe kind of story. Um, and the Dean's just, pick, and it's French. Yeah, surprisingly, though, it was French, but I'm glad that it wasn't in French. So just saying that now is, even though it's a French movie, it's completely in English. Um, but I really enjoyed the feel of it. Um and I really enjoyed the camera work in this movie of just the, the, uh, the cityscape that they would show and, you know, just how empty and desolate it was and stuff like that. And it was a killer because I really, really wanted to find some stuff about how they made this movie, what, you know, what they went through to make this movie. How did, how did they do these shots? How did they get these shots? I couldn't find a fucking thing about the behind-the-scenes of this movie, and I really wanted to know stuff about this movie, and unfortunately, there was no information there. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a, a nice, rela- relaxing horror movie. <laughs> um, you know, so, King, uh, you know, and we'll get into it later. Uh, King, King, what did you think, man? Um... I I just, I didn't like it. You know, I mean, I didn't hate it. Like I said, I, I didn't hate this movie, but again, I I just didn't like it. Um, well, it's because Dominique Roche, he's known for his shorts. He's done several shorts over the career that he's had as a director. And this movie well, is suited for a short. This movie is a short. This it's just, it's, it's a hour and a half, but this movie is easily a short. This is like a 20 minute short that's drawn out into an hour and a half. That's the way I felt about it. Like, it's just, you know, you're following, you know, this one character of Sam throughout the entire thing. And there's a lot of parallels to uh, 28 Days Later, like we had just said. Um, I know IndieWire had said at the time that it came out, but it's the most innovative horror movie since Shaun of the Dead featuring zombies. And I can't disagree more because I think that Shaun of the Dead is much more entertaining than The Night Eats the World because he's following one character and his descent into insanity because of what's going on outside. I mean, they do have some interesting things that go on throughout the movie, including music, which is a big aspect of it, which I love because I'm a huge fan of music, especially French bands. Cause there's a number of French bands that I do. Lab like. diggers? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's more so the music and, and sound as it relates to zombies, you know, which we've seen in other movies that we've covered, um, how sound draws them out, you know, and how he has to keep quiet. But it's just that Sam is just not a likable character. I just, I didn't find anything about him that I liked, where I wanted to see him survive and make it, because it's his story, and it's him trying to survive 
while the dead are outside, but it's just there's not enough here to make it a really enjoyable movie. <laughs> I, I see what you're saying, man, because that was the thing is like, well, you know, while watching the movie and stuff like that, it's like we're, we're watching him go through all of his stuff that he's going through to survive. And we don't really have any reason to his drive. It's like, you know, why right. is he so fucking determined to survive? It's like because whenever I watch any, you know, survival type movie, OK, I, that that's the thing I have a problem with with survival movies is what the fuck do you have to live for? You know, what is so important that you feel like you have to go through hell and back to survive this situation? Like, I I personally, like, never understood that whole thing. It's like, I, of the whole thing of just going through hell and back just so you can fucking survive and get back civilization. It's just that, that like, you know, like, the, the one where, uh, you know, uh, all the college kids, you know, got stuck up on a fucking mountaintop and he had to eat all his fucking friends. You know, that fucking shit. You know, Alive, again, what's the... Yeah, what's the drive where this character has to stay alive? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I see that. Um, and this is what I wanted to direct towards you guys, is because in the movie, you have Sam at this party. He's obviously broken up with his girlfriend, Fanny. She's now with a guy named Matthew. Bitch. And he's trying to get his tapes back. <laughs> oh, Fanny. And you need my tape. getting his tapes... And getting his tapes back, he gets a nosebleed, passes out, and then when he wakes up, shit's gone wrong, like the, the dean had said. But there's no passage of time, really. This seems like it just happened the next morning, where, where you have 28 Days Later, or even The Walking Dead, where there's a significant time jump that we're getting into when this character first wakes up. This is just fresh. 20, like, this 28 just Days Later, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, Exactly. But with Night Eats the World, there is no real time passage. It feels like this is just the next day when he wakes up and everything's gone to shit. But at no point is he like, I got to find a TV. I got to find a radio. I got to find my phone. I got to call for help. I got to look for cops. There's no police sirens. There's no engines. There's nothing going on. It's like the entire world has been destroyed overnight. And I just had a problem with that because it's just like there's no secondary thing. Like even in Shaun of the Dead. Where like we gotta call a fire you know truck, we gotta call a police car. It's something, something with lights, something with sirens. <laughs> well, at least I'm doing bright light. Even in Shaun of the Dead, you had stuff going on in the background that hinted at what was upcoming. Yes. Mhm. And this movie didn't do it. It just it was just throwing you into it, going, "There's no cops anymore. There's no army. <clears throat> there's no firefighters. Everybody's gone. And this is mm. Paris. You know, gone completely shit mm. overnight." That's the problem. Yeah, but at the same time, you, uh, uh, I don't know, though. It's like, because at the same time, though, it's like, I like it when you're just thrown into the situation. You don't you don't always need an explanation. No. But here's where I'm going to say the problem lies. The problem lies uh-huh. in the setting. The problem lies in the fact that you're in Paris. You're in a gigantic city. And that's where all the King's points here make a lot of sense. You know, within those few hours, there would still be things going on. There would still be people alive. There would still be shit going on in the streets that we don't see going on even in, like, these earlier portions. He wakes up. We literally only see two or three other people that are living, and we only see that for a couple of seconds, and then that is it. Um I get that the virus would progress quickly. I get that all of that stuff would happen. It's a city. I mean, shit, look what we're living through right now. What place has got hit yeah. hard and fast? Cities. 
this yeah, movie yeah. makes more sense if you put it in a less populated location. Because at that point, him being so far removed from an information center is what adds to your tension and adds to him not getting to know these things and not getting to know this information. Even if it was like a, an apartment complex in a suburb somewhere, or like a minor city, you know, something yeah. to that effect, I think would have worked better than it being in Paris, France. Though they like that one shot, which had the Eiffel Tower in the background, just to let you know they are in Gare Paris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I was really loving those shots, man. I, I dug, dug that entire first street shot of just everything fucking panicky and stuff like that. Um, you know, and just dead all over and ripped up and shit like that. And I was like, you know, again, you know, did they have to close off the streets? Was this actually shot in a real street? You know, you know, because nowadays, you know, you don't really fucking know anymore, you know, whether or not it was really there or if it was fucking computers, you know. Um, and I wanted that information about how they shot this shit. And, and that specific street yeah. shot, well, and that specific street shot, it, to me anyway, becomes more important later. Yes, and that's all I'm saying. For me, like yeah. little things that I'm I'm looking at because, like I said, I, I enjoyed the film, but little things that I'm picking on early in the movie, I'm looking at things like the hallway when he's walking down the stairwell to lock off the doors, and the walls have blood on it. It's like perfectly applied blood. Like yeah. The streets mm-hmm. were almost like patterned, whereas opposed to it being like what looked like smeared blood of either somebody that's bleeding trying to run away or somebody that's trying to eat somebody. And, you know, maybe I've just seen too many television series and ID channel shit with like blood splatter people. Are you, like Dexter, you're saying that it like looked that. too nice? It looked too, yeah, true. He's right. like, just too yeah. sped up. And too, it just wasn't, it just didn't look real. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. If you want to present this in a realistic, desperate situation, little things like that are easily done. You know, stick some fucking paint or whatever you're using for blood on a person and let their body rub up against the wall. Mm. Don't just sit there with a paintbrush and just apply little lines mm. here. And, oh, 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 I'm going to put it there. And it's over here now. <laughs> and, oh, this is the Mona Lisa of blue. <laughs> Uh, see, it's 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 fucking Paris. What are you explaining it right, man? And it's just what Sam, you know, his immediate reaction is to, like you said, block off everything, block off all the doors, lock everything, and then raid the apartments to get food and supplies. But then after that, it's like, well, we're just going to sit here. We're just going to have our hero of the film just kind of hang out. For the great mm. in the movie because he doesn't yeah. really have any drive to do anything else. After a while, he's not like, I gotta leave. Like, I can't just stay here. I'm gonna die. Like, I need to get out mm. and see if there's survivors. I need to see if there's anything mm. else going on in Paris. No, I'm mm. just gonna hang out here mm. and I'm gonna make friends with a zombie mm. in an elevator named Alfred. Mm. So that's fun. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and I just want to back, backtrack it a little bit to the hallway that the ghoul was saying and stuff like that because that's when we first get introduced to the zombies, infected, whatever you want to call them for this movie. doesn't fucking matter. Um, I, I, and, I, you know, and I liked this new approach of you know, everything being quiet with the zombies, you know, no, no noises, no nothing. I, enjoy, I, I really enjoyed that. While at the same time, they're runners, too. 
And I, uh, you know, I just yeah. like my I just like my zombies fast, man. <laughs> um, but I I liked that they gave it this, at least for me, this because again I haven't seen as many zombie movies as you guys have. Um, just this new approach of just completely silent zombies. Yeah, I missed it. I missed the groaning. I missed the sounds. I didn't like the fact that they were so quiet. That they just don't make any I can noise. Do with, you know what though? Again. I like it into the fact that they're not alive, which means they're not breathing, which means they're not making sounds. Actually, I didn't mind it at all, to be perfectly honest. I like the spastic twitching. Yeah, I like their spastic twitching. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't know. I just missed the browning. <laughs> I don't know why I like it. I just, I mean, to me, that's a qualifier for a zombie. You know, they got to make Sorry. some kind of noise. I mean, it's, I don't mean to interrupt you, King, but Do- Dean, if you can, just repeat what you said because we spoke over you every time. Okay, let me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Miss that one. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the last thing I said. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, we, and you know, we, ha- we 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 get our weird twitchy zombies, which I fucking dig. You know, we don't know anything about them except, um, you know, they they want to ch- chomp at you. You know, they're fast, um, and they don't make any sound. You know, and they're twitchy. That's all we know about them right now. You know, so meantime, and they now, now we don't know that yet. We <laughs> that's what I'm getting at. Is like you know, we find that later. You know, if you want to, we can go into that right now uh, about how, again, Sam is a music, musician, and while he's, you know, boarding up and stuff like that, he decides to jam on the fucking drum. What are you talking about? We don't know that yet. It happened with the guy in the car when he's trying to get the the survivors into the car downstairs, and he fucking starts honking the horn, and all of a sudden, rah, they all fucking come out of nowhere. We find out right oh, there that they're attracted to the sound. I forgot he honked the horn. Okay, sorry, King. <laughs> yeah, I know he's jamming out on the drums, and that's what attracts them. So that's why he's like, oh, shit, probably should be quiet and not jam out in the drum set so much. <laughs> you know, but he's just trying to pass the time because he's got nothing to do. And uh, uh, I, was, I mean, listen, the fact is, holding up like that is not an unwise decision. You know, the fact no. is, eventually, he would have to learn to get out and scavenge a bit. But, you know, as yeah. of right now, he's doing all the right things. You know, you're marking off the place, you're locking shit down, you're fortifying your location, and you're getting your weapons together. Yeah, and he yeah. he does make some smart moves early on, but after the passage of time, that's when he starts making some mistakes, most notably the cat, that for some reason he just desperately wants for, you know, some kind of a companion. Leave the fucking cat alone, dude. Like, yelling cats are assholes. Like, They're not going to come to you. Yelling at like the, the fu- <laughs> <laughs> Like the movie Alien. Fuck the cat. Okay. Yeah, you don't need to go out. <laughs> they don't. That cat's never going to come to you, dude. Give up. Don't fucking go out there and look for the cat because you just need a companion. And then he gets so angry that he fucking kills it. <laughs> Fuck you, <dude. laughs> That's your problem, like, not the cat. I, yeah, 
I don't know if he actually killed it, it, but he definitely took a shot at it. We never see it. We assume he kills it because he takes a shot. But the reality is, yes, like the monkey said, we don't know. I took it as he just shot it, and that was it. I fucking love it, though, that he went out there, did all this stupid shit, like you said, you know, to get some pussy. And then the pussy was like, "Uh, no, no. (laughs) You're not getting none of this. And then he went back, scrambling in. Yeah, because after he he does that with the cat, he sits up at night thinking that he's going to turn because he thought he got scratched by one of the zombies. So he puts a shock underneath his chin and then falls asleep. Oh, that's great, because that fucking gun's going to go off. (laughs) And it does, but it doesn't hit him. He just wakes up. Well, I think the idea being that if he started, I don't think he intended to fall asleep, obviously. I think the idea is if he felt like he was starting to turn, he was going to pull the trigger. You know, that's yeah. why he's looking in the mirror. He didn't, just remember, we don't have any news for this guy. This guy doesn't know how people turn into zombies. He doesn't know if it's a bite. He doesn't know if it's a scratch. He doesn't know how the virus passes. And unfortunately for us, we don't know either, nor will we ever find out in this film. Now, the movie that I have said, now obviously you bring up 28 Days Later because I think that's you know, probably the most well-known film of that and Unfortunately, it will be now on hold. That was actually going to be my next pick um, for a movie. Good one. Because of this pick, I'm not picking that now, so I have to come up with something else in a couple of weeks. Um, that being said, the, the movie that this actually made me think of was actually The Battery. Um, which oh, yeah. Was a small Great cast, call. Zombie film, very similar. And I love The Battery. Tone. I think to this movie, yes. But the reason why I feel like the battery worked as a better film than this one is that you had two people to play off of. And that, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I'm surprised you like this movie monkey. Cause I know you hate films with small cats. I know. Uh, I fucking uh, hate them. Yeah. I, I, I do. Movie. And that, and that, that was the thing about this movie is again, uh, it's like, the tone and the way they were telling the story and how we're watching him slowly slip into it. I thought it was a very smart, you know, very, very intelligently written. Uh, and, you know, uh, we're, and we're, and we're watching him, you know, this one moment fortify his environment to the other moment. He's literally disassembling it because he has to, you know, change his environment because he's going crazy. He needs to get some cardio, you know, so he's taking down all the doors that he would be using to blockade if he needs to, you know, and he's having to constantly change his own world depending on how he's feeling that particular time. I'm sorry, Dean, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, I didn't know the battery. I just looked it up. Is the, the, the synopsis of that uh, two former b- baseball players clash as they traverse the rural back roads of post-plague New England, teaming with the undead? Is that yes. it? Yes. It's a bummer that they put that in the synopsis, because I, I feel like that's one of those things, the fact that they're both baseball players, that sh- it's not supposed to be revealed in the fucking synopsis. Nope. It's part of the plot of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a big part. Yeah, it's a big part of the plot of that movie. And yeah, I definitely oh, yeah. thought that the battery handled it better. You know, small well, cast, two people, too. also featured music is a big thing. You know, with the headphones, you know, and I just, I love the battery. Yeah. I, mean, I can't say enough good things about yeah. it. And, 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 and this movie, it wasn't so much music, it was just sound in general. You know, um, because you have Sam, and uh, uh, again, until we get introduced into something a little bit later, 
I was enjoying, like, I hate to say this, like, the art kind of feel of it, of unless he, he was making sound, the, the entire film was dead silent. You know, when he goes yeah. to step out, you know, and step out and view Paris, it's fucking dead quiet. Yeah, there's no soundtrack, no. Well, no, that's no, I'm just saying, no, no sound in general. You know, it's no making score. you understand. There's, yeah, yeah. There, there's no sound. But And Except, th- this is what forces you to, to realize that he has to create sound. Sorry, Gould, go ahead. Well, no, what I was going to say is that's one of the things, like, again, that I appreciated early in the film. But then they go and ruin it by adding a score halfway through the film. Like, if you're oh, going to yeah. do that and you're going to give simple naturalistic sounds in the entire film, give it to the entire film. Don't give me the first mm-hmm. half, you know, scoreless, and then decide to add in a score for the second half. But then as I'm actually saying that, and now, of course, it's going to fucking tear me apart to have to do it, I want to rewatch the film and see if the score got added when he starts fantasizing. Because it would make a hell of a that lot could of be a thing. sense at that point. Oh, good, good point, Ghoul. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. The headphones so, and the cat are the two things that killed me the most. I'll be perfectly honest with you. It's like, listen, one, I mean, not to sound like the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the zombie fucking people with their rules. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know me. I'm fucking having one of those brain moments. Um, yeah. Okay, you're just talking about about people who are obsessed about the rules about zombies. No, 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 no. The film movies, they just have the sequels. No, 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 no. Woody Harrelson Harrelson and all that shit. Oh, oh, okay, Zombieland. 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 There we go. Money train? Look, I said said zombies. (laughs) Money train. White men can't jump? (laughs) Doc Hollywood? (laughs) That's Born Killers? I just wanted to be held. When I tell you I need a glass of water, Billy, it's not because I actually need a glass of water. I just want comfort. Um, anyway, so. What the fuck was I going to say now? See, look, you guys made me such a I will never okay. bring you water like, okay. when you're I'm, I'm, okay, in our bed. You know why? Understand your right, loudness you... and I sympathize and Sympathize. <laughs> Ghoul, you were talking about whether or not the score starts when he starts to hallucinate, and um, then no, you didn't no, want no, to get no, locked actually, up in the rules of zombies. That's what I was talking about, the rules of zombies. Okay, like, I'm sorry, but in a zombie apocalypse type of scenario where this guy is in, one, you know, obviously don't take any stupid risks, like going after the cat. Okay, if the cat doesn't yeah. come to you, don't leave the fucking house. Okay, put the food out there. Eventually, the cat's probably going to come back for the food. Easy fucking thinking. But number two, don't ever impede any of your senses, okay? Music, if you right. want to play it, needs to be played at a low volume. Not because it's attracting zombies, but because you can't hear if something's fucking coming up behind you, let alone yes. putting the headphones yes, on. I thought that, man. I wanted to kick the guy. I thought... I thought the exact same thing. Like, while he's running around, getting his cardio, and he's got the headphones on, and I'm like, dude, if something comes up on you, you're not gonna fucking hear it. And it does a lot, but at least when he's running around, when you're running around, you can see around you in all locations. You know what I mean? Like your head's kind of on a swivel while you're running. But when you're just sitting in a spot and you're just in that one static location and you block off sound, I mean, that's a huge thing. So unless, you're, unless your senses are so in tune that you're feeling the vibration on the floor, um, chances are the vibration. Feel it, feel it. 
Yo, it's about that time to break come off on, come on. the rhythm of the rhyme. I'm going to get mine. <laughs> but it's, like you said, Ghoul, that's uh, another example of the battery, where you have Jeremy Gardner's character getting drunk one night with the headphones on, and he's singing along to the song, blasting in his headphones, and then all of a sudden he hears a crash. He's like, what the fuck? And he grabs his gun because he was so distracted by having fun with getting drunk and listening to music, he doesn't understand that there's fucking zombies out there. I probably should be, you know, paying attention to that rather than the music and the booze. Yeah. So that's another great call. Yeah. Where Especially you're letting yeah. your senses down. Yeah. Right. And right now he's got it pretty much made in the apartment. He has plenty of food. He's got plenty of heat, plenty of water. You know, he he's okay. Got heat? You know, but then... No, he's not with yeah. winter approaching. Well, that's what I was getting at, King, <laughs> was that things are starting to... Yeah, let the man finish because, talking. Is because he's starting to run out of supplies. You know, winter's coming. No no pun intended. Um, You know, and he's having to try and now... <laughs> and he's having to find new ways to survive in this building. Yeah, he's trying to get creative, like with the rainwater and things like that. But with, with winter coming and things breaking down, it's... it's you're going to have to leave. You're going to have to go at some point. You just can't stay here. It's just not a viable option yeah. anymore. But that's, of course, when he gets introduced to the other character of this movie, Sarah. He's got a fireplace and plenty of wood. He can continue to burn shit. I think the point he's is, is just that it's going to not be a viable place a, anymore. He's got a bathtub made out of a refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's the thing. I mean, yeah, that yeah. kind of like scenario is what kind of gets like, and I get it, man. You know what? Me and the the dean, we've done like some like tour mm. tour times. You know, dean especially, man. But where like you'll go a couple of days, you know, without like showering or like any kind of like real like intensive type of scrubbing. I don't know how long I could. You're go talking about like me? Kind of... Yes, of course. You know, we're going to. to fucking camping grounds and shit like that with tours or whatever. Very you know, true. Fucking music, music festivals, okay? But, you know, yes. you know how that is when they finally, especially you as a fucking boardy, man, you guys get, like, access to those showers. That's, like, fucking shit is glorious when you finally get in there, man. Um, just wiping <laughs> away all that grime and that sweat and that shit that you've been putting into your body for, fucking, you know, four or five days straight. Um, so, like, the idea of being in, like, this kind of scenario is, like, dude, you go, like, five days six days and I'm like fucking itching out of my skin. I can't go more than two days, to be honest with you, without like showering. It drives me nuts. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yep. so like the idea of going weeks, months, all this time, like once the water goes off, it's like, wow, man. Like, yeah, I get it. You're getting rainwater. You can bathe in that shit, like old, old world style and everything, but ooh, ooh, yuck. After a while, you <laughs> stank. I'm a greasy motherfucker. Yeah, no, I was going to say, and and they're also trying to make a point to try and show that he's getting skinnier, you know, um, yeah. trying anyway, um, that he's losing it weight. You know, but Yeah, but yeah, yeah, like you said, King, we get introduced to a new character. Yeah, he accidentally shoots because he hears her making noise one night, <laughs> and then he realizes it's another survivor, so he's going to patch her up. And then we have this moment where they're kind of hanging out and he's playing fucking music on different kind of pieces, which I do like when people make uh, music naturally with just natural objects. For some reason, that was a very chill sequence. 
with him well, and they Sarah. Up, they, yeah, man. They faked us out in what I felt was a very uh, day of the day of the dead homage with the dream sequence. Um, oh yeah, yep. With him, that that's how when this happens, it's like you don't know again if we're in that same type of dream again. So yes, he pulls the trigger and then instead, yes, shoots shoots a young lady. Right, yeah, he right. sees that she's got all this grapple equipment to jump rooftop to rooftop, you know, and he, he, he's a got a friend now. <laughs> you know, he has a friend that he could survive with, you know, maybe they can make this out together, you know, and she's very sweet to him and caring. She doesn't like the fact that he had Alfred fucking in the elevator, but Alfred's cool. <laughs> he doesn't judge. He's fine. Uh, like, you know, Alfred's not going to do anything. I enjoyed all the moments with Alfred just because it I was, yeah. again, ju- just a sounding board of what's going on in his head. You know, and it was just an, an audio device to use so he can sit there and just speak aloud what he's been thinking and just bouncing off of Alfred and see what Alfred thinks, you know, because Alfred's got some deep thoughts on this shit, you know, and <laughs> I. and I just loved how freaky he fucking was, man. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know if it was just me, man. But, like, it seemed like over the course of the time, he, like, started to train Alfred. And, like, um, you know, because it starts with the shaking of the hand. And then they're talking, and you have a couple moments where he loses it because Alfred can't talk. And then he sits there and starts to say, you know, why can't you fucking smile, Alfred? And then a couple scenes, like, a couple scenes later when we have Alfred, it looks like he's starting to smile. Yeah. Run me a lot so of day of the day like, with Bub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, yeah, Bub. but it seems like oh, uh, you know, Alfred is learning. Yeah, yep. Yeah, Just like I said, day of the day with Bub, where he's he's learning and and you know maybe he isn't a threat, you know, to uh, Sam after all. But you have this conversation with Sarah and Sam where she says you can't stay here anymore. Like, don't you want to leave? Like. Why don't you want to go? Like we, you should be finding other people. You should be getting out of here. And he's like, well, it's okay here. It's cool. She's like, no, you shouldn't get so complacent. You know, you shouldn't be so comfortable because anything could change. But again, especially with the sound you've been making on the drums. <laughs> yes, because you're all the zombies. But again, this is where I feel like, honestly, I know this is a zombie movie and everything, but this really lines this movie up, and this is where I'm going to say, Dean, great pick. This lines up with a lot of things that are actually going on right now in society, with everybody kind of at this differing of philosophy over what's going on with COVID. We have these people who are yelling and screaming like, oh my God, it's our rights to be able to go out and go about and do our fucking thing and live our lives. Whereas you got all these other people who are... You know, hey, we need to stay in. We need to hold the fort for just a little bit longer, and let's get this thing killed and wiped out before we just keep it circulating again and again and again and just keep killing people. Um, but it's really amazing how this this divide kind of like formed out of what feels for me it like formed out of nowhere. It was like so like everybody was all yeah. solidified and like yep. yes, this is what we need mm-hmm. to do, and then all of a sudden there was this huge fucking two side fucking thing going on. Um, they got tired. Granted. I get that. And you know what? People I know need money, and there's been a lot of problems with people, I guess, getting their unemployment money or stimulus money and all this and that. And, uh, and yeah, that money. I, feel, I, I feel for for all of those people. You know, it's, it's a terrible thing, but, you know, it's, uh, it's just it's weird. And, you know, we took a, we took a long break off of watching the news on, uh, on all oh, of yeah. this. We get, yeah, like, you know, we take minor yeah, reports. Same, yeah, same here. That's about it, man. 
I don't watch it anymore. I, I stopped. I just I got so tired that I, I turned it off. I used to watch CNN a lot, but I just turned it off. I was like, I can't fucking watch this anymore. It's just the same shit, and it's fucking depressing, and it just makes me angry. So I just turned it off, and I'm like, I'm a lot better for it. Like, I felt better turning off the news and just not watching what's going on day in and day out because it's unhealthy. But I think the one thing I did like about this movie is the twist with Sarah, where she returns to his room one night, and you find out that she's been dead from a gunshot wound. So now it's he hallucinated all his conversations. And it's like, holy shit. Like, that was big. I actually did really like that. I was like, of all the movie, that twist was the biggest one that I like. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. She was alive the whole time. It was a total mind fuck. No, no, she was dead for a while. She was sick. She went in the room and laid down and died. That body was definitely not fresh. That had been rotting for a little while. No. Yeah, she was had. I know, I'm fucking with you guys. Yeah, I she, know she was dead the whole time. Sure. You did. But it was you, a fun no, because twist. When, that twist, when that twist happened, I was like, man, I know the ghoul fucking saw that from a mile away. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he did. You know what? I'll be honest with you. I didn't think the movie was going to be that smart. Did it enter my mind yeah, that they yep. could do that? Yeah. I didn't think that they would actually be like, hey, that's uh, for the majority of the film. I really thought most of this was probably going to just be a dream. I thought that's really, really, really you know, <laughs> yeah, oh man, up that was fucking bad. You know, he's still in the apartment, and the party just ended, and his girlfriend's waking him that's up. That's what whatever. I was thinking too, man. <laughs> that would have been a rad but, way to do it, but but yeah, it's just it's the impactful thing that even though he had those hallucinations of Sarah. He's still taking her advice. Like, now he's deciding, okay, I got to go. Like, I, I can't be here anymore. She's right. You know, I'll take the equipment that I got, the grappling hooks, the rope, and I'm going to let Alfred go back to his apartment. <laughs> and Alfred, yes, for his part, is going to of Master Wayne. <laughs> yeah. But like the, the monkey had said, he's becoming, he's learning. So Alfred doesn't immediately attack him. He just kind of follows him into the apartment. <clears throat> and he just watches Alfred go off and... and to just be the zombie yeah. Alfred that he was. I just I liked that little scene right. because I felt bad. Like he kind of made me sad a little bit to see Alfred go off on his own. Yeah, because he t- well he he did, he took Alfred back to Alfred's apartment. You know he took him yeah. back to his home. You know so that yeah. that was the thing. Um, but then we have the moment where not only does he grab the grappling equipment and stuff like that and he sets Alfred free, he has his moment of self liberation from himself. Because that's when he decides to take all the things that were tying him, that, you know, to this place yes. and not moving and stuff like that, which were these tapes, which turned out to be of, uh, you know, um, an audio history of his life. Yeah. Because because it was they him were burning his pants. Yeah, but the, but it was tapes that he had made since childhood talking in the microphones and stuff like that, you know, making music and whatnot. And these were recordings of him as a child, him talking to his parents. Um, you know, these were the only memories that he had, you know, and that's why he was holding on to it. And that's why he wanted it so bad from his, you know, now we find out why he wanted it so bad. It wasn't just a bunch of fucking mixtapes. You know, these were, you know, like old school, you know, videotapes and shit like that of his childhood. It was a great perfectly honest. It was, I get it. I get that that was a great moment, but I'll be perfectly honest with you. At this point, even though this is a short movie, 
it's kind of starting to weigh on me a little bit. And I really couldn't care less about the tapes. He lights those fucking things yeah. on fire. And I'm like, you're a jackass. You're in a building that's going to burn. And you're about to use shit that you've never used before. It's not like you decided to, hey, I'm going to practice with this grappling book. It was like, <laughs> nah, you know let's just fucking do this. But that's why it worked for me, that scene. I loved it. Because, yeah, the yeah, fire starts and all the zombies are crazy. Really quick. Uh, good. I, yeah, good. Uh, the, the, the the grappling hook uh, was a tool in in so many uh, like cartoons and stuff. As a kid, uh, they always had a grappling hook to to do something. I feel like it's not something yeah. that I ever thought as really practical in in like real life. And then I, I was I got a little one. bit of a I got like a little bit of a humorous kick of seeing a, a grappling hook come into play in this film. Dude, I made one, one that looked like a shop class. <laughs> well, I was no, I was supposed to get one from a dude named Rich Kenny, who wanted the pus from my leg uh, when I had burnt it. He wanted the fucking ooze out of it, and he was gonna give me a grappling hook and a gigantic what knife. The fuck? And so the knife. Isn't that guy dead? Yes. Supposedly, he wrapped himself up in the American flag with his girlfriend while they were tripping on LSD and shot themselves. Um, I can never oh. confirm this for sure. Happily um, ever after. What the fuck? But he's definitely dead. But he's dead, though, um, for sure. That, again, that's what I've heard. Again, I can't confirm whether it is or not. I can't find any kind of news or any kind of reports on it or anything like that. If you got people you can ask, you got people you can ask, man. Um, but that being said, I'm grappling hook and this gigantic fucking knife for a jar of pus, with which he was going to use to throw in girl's hair. Um, oh, okay. You know, was, was like, okay, um, whatever, man. If that's what you're going to do with it, I just want a knife and a grappling hook. So he got me the knife, which, again, this was eighth grade. I would say, you know, it was a large Bowie-style knife that was probably went Rambo from like my, my, my middle finger almost to my elbow. It was really a big fucking knife, man. It was like some Crocodile Dundee type shit. So now that's a knife. That. Exactly. <laughs> but the grappling hook I never got. And supposedly how the story went was that he had it in the locker and I guess some teacher saw it or some shit. They reported it to the principal, and they took it away, and that's why I never got the grappling book. I don't know if that was true or not, but it is what it is. So, yes, on but, to the grappling book. But with Sam, I, okay. like to the ghoul's point, I do like the fact that he didn't practice with it. Like, he just grabs it, the building's on fire. He's like, okay, got to go. I'm going to take a couple swings, and I'm going to get it over to the next building, and then I'm going to fly Mission Impossible style over to the other building, and he immediately fucks up and bangs his head. I was like, yes, he fucked up. <laughs> I <laughs> he didn't practice. Up. Dude, he oh, that was the only last movie I had. Building. I mean, there were two laughable moments here. One, he ties the rope to the bar so that he can swing the grappling hook and get it entangled on the building across the street. But then, while mm-hmm. the zombie is busy coming out the window, in the time it took for that zombie to get out the window, he not only got the grappling hook grappled across the street, he took it off the bar and secured that rope around himself with like multiple locations so that he would have enough security <laughs> to then swing across, as if he's been doing this for fucking years. Um, amazing. But yes, the, the swinging down, as I'm watching this, and I'm going, wow, okay, so I'm figuring the movie's going one of two ways. Either he's going to swing right across and everything's going to be fine, 
or he's going to swing, the rope's going to break, and it's either going to hurt him and he's going to die, or he's going to be hurt but get saved somehow. So the idea that he just slammed into the wall was, like, not entering my head. So when it happened, I started fucking howling. Howling to the point that, oh, again, yeah. I had to rewind it. I had to rewind it. The little girl had to come back in from outside because she wanted to know why I was laughing so hard, at which point she then, too, started laughing so hard she nearly peed herself. It reminded me of the other guys. With uh, the other guys with Sam Jackson and The Rock when they're on top of the building in that movie. When they jump off the building, they're like, aim for the bushes. <laughs> they jump off the building <laughs> and immediately splat. <laughs> yeah. I just I got a flashback to the other guys, which mm. is a great comedy, but yeah, I just mm. kept thinking about that scene. I was like, we're going to make it. And no, they're dead. <laughs> See, Sam, not so and I, was, and I was laughing too because I was taking this whole moment as a literal leap of faith. Okay, and, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. he, you know, he's doing what he needs to do. He's going to tr- try to survive, you know, he, he's do- <laughs> no, and that's why, and that's why I laugh my ass off too, is because th- this leap of faith and then, you know, I can do it. I can do it. Whack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, like he wakes up into that daze and he's still fucking that. hanging there with the blood coming off his head. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> All right, time to get up on the roof. Yeah. All right, fucking made not, it. It's not like slamming into concrete's going to break your arm. It's not like you hitting your head like that's nope. going to give you a concussion or anything nope. of that nature. No, he's okay. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's fine. He made it up to that roof, you know, where, where he hears the church bells ringing. He's like, cool. That's what this movie was missing. That movie, this movie was missing him scaling that wall, old school Batman '66 style. Okay, that that would have been like that last, that last little thing. You could even had a zombie come out of one of the windows and been like, "What are you doing?" Just his arms. I was gonna make a noise, but then I realized it didn't make sound. So. Well, they, yeah, they, they kind of did. We, we kind of had that because as he's scaling, we did have a zombie come up to the window. So we kind of had that moment. I'll say I missed that. I didn't see a zombie come up to the window. Yeah, yeah, because as he starts scaling him. up, yeah, as he as he starts scaling up um, the the side of the building, um, one of the windows, a, a zombie comes up and starts, you know, beating on the window furiously, you know, all nom nom nom. Well, and the, the thing that confused me is that the, the wiki page says that after he gets onto the other building, he hears sounds of possible other survivors. The only thing I heard was a church bell, which I live next to a church. That bell goes off whenever it wants to. There's nobody controlling that bell. So I didn't take it as other survivors. I, I, I just took it as a church bell. I took that as a sign of other people because we hadn't heard the bell the entire time during the movie. So now we're supposed to have this moment mm. of, again, uh, like Sarah has said, you know, you just hop rooftop to rooftop, all, all you know, Assassin's Creed style, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, once he got up there and he's saying, seeing that he has access to pretty much the, the entire city, you know, from rooftop and, uh, you know, and yeah, again, yeah. you know, Swim, he's taking in the glorious like view of Paris. And again and again. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and to the girl's point, I don't know what this year is supposed to take place in. I mean, it is weird that he has all the cassettes, but it makes sense because they're from his childhood. They don't really put a year on it. So I just took it as 2018. 
I just took it as the year the movie was made. Like it's no particular, you know, period piece where it's like 97 or something like that. Yeah, no, you know what? No, because at some point, if I remember right, he picks up like an iPod or something. Yeah, we, well, he, def- he there's an i there's an iPod, and he had uh they had everyone at the party had iPhones, so okay. you know or you know yeah, so it's definitely Watch modern by Apple. Which again, you know, yeah. everybody had phones, but he doesn't. Like he's so old school, he doesn't have a phone. Again, that's something that just bothered me. Like it's yeah. one of those nitpicks that so I had. Right, he had to wear shades. <laughs> <laughs> But Things that is going the great. The They're only getting better. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, Look, he's doing all right. He's getting that's... good grades. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the nice cool world in a nutshell. You know, um, you know, it's definitely worth checking out just to see what the French are doing with zombies. I mean, I will say that. I mean, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, but it is an interesting thing. <laughs> you know, um, oh, it has its moments, but you know, the, again, IndieWire, IndieWire comparing it to Shaun of the Dead, just completely wrong. <laughs> Shaun of the Dead wins every time. Um, I mean, that's, that's it, one it, of the penultimate the, the, movies. They, they weren't saying it was better than Shaun of the Dead. They weren't saying it was entertaining like Shaun of the Dead. What they were saying is it was innovative like Shaun of the Dead, of taking the zombie genre and creating something slightly new in a, in a, in a genre where there's tons and tons of shit. That's all they were saying was, since Shaun of the Dead, this was an innovative piece and created something new in the zombie genre. That's all they were saying. They weren't saying it's as good as Shaun of the Dead. They weren't saying it was fucking better. They were just saying it created something new for the genre. Which, in a way, I mean, I could see. I mean, I just like the battery, like we talked about, innovative in a way. All right, so next week uh, it is my pick uh, since uh, I'm going to be celebrating a belated birthday on the show. My birthday is on Sunday. I decided to go with the birthday pick. So I'm going with 1981's Bloody Birthday, directed by Ed Hunt. So if you have a shutter, you can find it on there. Monkey, Mike I know Mike. you'll be able to find it in your way. So yeah. No, that's the brother. Yeah, Ed is the brother of Mike. So that's where we get that. <laughs> so yeah, bloody birthday next week is a slasher movie featuring kids killing people so enjoy <laughs> we'll reconvene next week to talk about that so happy, All right, happy so, birthday to me no bloody birthday no I have to go bloody birthday because we did my bloody uh, happy birthday to me years ago so I didn't want to cover it again yep. wanted to cover my bloody birthday, birthday. Um, nope this is the one with Julie Brown going downtown with all her fucking gear off ooh Oh, Ghoul oh, oh Julie Brown. Murder birthday. Okay, I got it. Murder birthday. Gotcha. Well, it's on Shutter's bloody birthday, so you'll find it on there. And I know, uh, Dean, you have Shutter too, so you can find it on there. Uh, Dean, thank you so much for the pick, and look forward to well, seeing you back there next week. Blow my candles. Yes, it is, it is in my okay. my plans to to be a participant in the next episode of the Talking Terror program. For Things change birthday. quickly for the Dean. <laughs> they do, but we'll see. All right, so, Monkey, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, so listen in next week as we have a, birthday, a special birthday episode for the king, and I'm the Monkey saying thanks for listening and let me come in your ear. It's not downtown Julie. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. Cool. Hit us with a plug as we close out. 
everybody get to Etsy. Go to Bonfire Bee Designs. All one word. You know what? Things went crazy for the Google Girl suddenly. I don't know if it's Mother's Day. I don't know if it's Father's Day. Whatever it is. But remember, those holidays are coming. Get over there. There's handcrafted jewelry. She's making stuff all the time. There's beautiful things still up there. Necklaces, pendants, all kinds of stuff. And again, she works at she works her ass off to make it. Sorry for the delay. The lady was yelling at me. 90 seconds. Get off the air. Um, again, she works her ass <laughs> off making all this stuff. So get over there and buy it because a happy ghoul girl means a happy ghoul. And a happy ghoul means that I'm not mean to everybody. So besides that, stay scared. Stay scared. <laughs> all right. Well, as always, I'm your old pal, the King Horror, Andy G, saying thank you for listening. We'll see you here back next week for Bloody Birthday from 1981. Hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail odorous. Can't wait to see you back here next week. For birthday of death. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.